today. And of course, if you're a member here, then you know him. Uh, but he is a wonderful servant here. And even though he is not paid or supported to be in the, uh, the full-time ministry, he does a lot of great things for us. And one of the things he does for us is from time to time, he, uh, he shares a message with us. And I, I would just say personally, uh, he is one of my very favorite speakers. So uh, let's welcome Rob Cosberg. Oh, you didn't have to say that. How's everybody today? A little reserved today, right? Seems a little low-key. That's okay. Don't, don't feel bad about that. Don't try to get more excited or anything. It's all right. Uh, we obviously have all the teens gone, right? They're always excited. Even when there's no reason to be, generally they're excited, right? Uh, a lot of the campus students are helping at the teen camp. People are on vacation. Uh, many of you may be visiting here today. Welcome. We're super glad you're here. I uh, hope you enjoy it. And if not, don't worry. I'm not speaking next week. Reese will be, so give us another chance just in case. Um, I, uh, I, I, I would love it if we could, like, there are, like, huge gaps, you know? And I'm pretty sure most people have showered and bathed, and you look pretty good. Uh, so, you know what? I'd like to do two things if we could. Can we stand up? It's okay. This, this is like the only thing I'm going to ask of you today. Just bear with me, okay? Bear with me. So, so here's what I want us to do. I, I want us to, like, just the person next to us, just, just give them the warmest... If you're visiting, you don't have to hug them or anything. And don't hug someone you don't know, like, in a crazy, maniacal way. But, but I want you to just say hello, and I want you to let them know you're glad that they're here, and, and you're thankful that we can worship God together, right? And at the same time, I want you to move up, and I want you to fill in the gaps. And I want you to sit next to someone that maybe you don't know. and Lots of orders today, right? So come on, everybody, try to come up towards the front. Listen to all that noise. There's vigorous welcomes and love going on. Okay, all right, that's enough. That's enough. I just, you know, I have three boys, and I, you know, there's, there was always a lot of commotion in my house, you know? So there's a couple of TVs on, and someone's blasting music and, and yelling, and so I like commotion, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm kind of used to it, so thank you for doing that, and hopefully you feel a little bit better too, right? There's a lot of places you could be right now, right? You could be sleeping in. You could be watching some sporting event. Is there, are there any sports going on right now? Golf, yeah, baseball, baseball, baseball. Um, anyway, uh, welcome back to Reese and Mary Kay. Great to have you guys back. Missed you. Seems like Connie and I have been, like we said, on opposite schedules with you guys. And so we come into town, you guys go out of town, and so great to have you. If you guys didn't know this, um, yesterday was Reese's birthday. Yeah. Yeah, so it's the beginning of Reese's birthday month, uh, so 
you don't, you don't need to feel bad that you missed it. You have the rest of August, really, to celebrate, shower him with gifts and love and the admiration and appreciation that he does deserve and desires so badly. It's what makes Reese and I such good friends. You know, we both want it so badly, and so we really give that admiration uh, and love to each other in somewhat acceptable manner. All right, uh, Ephesians chapter six. Open your Bibles with me. I was uh, given the passage on slaves and masters to speak about today, and uh, at first I was given the passage on the armor of God and the passage on slaves and masters was going to be done last week but that and so I was really excited about the armor of God and of course things you know when you're excited about something it doesn't always work out right when you're young you always think it works out but you know as you get older you know not everything works out and so it went back to you know slaves and masters that's what I was going to do and and I I spent a lot of time on this okay even if it might not appear so as the message goes on okay so I just want to say that um, there's a lot of really basic and good kind of tactical, here's what we should do, here's how we should live. So that stuff is good, and I always like that, but geez, there's only like four verses, so we could be done like in the next six minutes, and then go ahead and break early for lunch, right? Or maybe I can take you on a journey, tell a few stories, and maybe we can figure out something else. Which one would you guys rather... All right, the second one is what I chose too, so here we go. Um, there's two ways you can look at this passage uh, of Scripture, okay? And, and maybe way more than two ways, but here are the two ways that I think of it. One is, you know, kind of the historical, what was taking place in that time? Uh, what was going on in Rome? And what was the reality of slavery and, and employment in those days. And then, of course, we have, okay, what's the practical application like for us today, and how does that work? So I really want to talk about both of those things. Why don't we read through it? Probably a good idea, right? And then I'll share some thoughts. And, you know, one thing I like to do is open it up and ask, you know, some of you your opinion, because you oftentimes say things that are, like, really interesting. Not always. Don't, don't be full of yourself. But sometimes it's like, wow, I didn't think of that, and then I have something else to say. So, anyway, it's part of my diabolical scheme. But, uh, so let's go ahead and start reading in, uh, in verse 5. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does. That's pretty cool right there. Whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. So everything we just read, right? applicable to masters. Treat them in the same way and do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with him. So let me back up for just, I know, amen, right? <laughs> that's got our, like a rounding amen. Uh, that's not like one of those amen passages. It's like, how does this apply to me? What do I need to do, right? 
So if we back up, you know, to Ephesians 5.21, that's the verse where it talks about how we need to submit to one another uh, out of reverence for Christ. Remember that passage? And then following that passage, following that one verse, we talked about, you know, these kind of key relationships in our lives. We talked about marriage, right? And how husbands should love their wives and wives respect the husbands. And really, everything kind of flowed from that passage about submitting to one, or one another out of reverence for Christ. You guys get that? So we talked about marriage. We talked about that you know, super key relationship in our lives. And then from there, we talked about family, right? And how parents should be with their children and how children should be with their, their parents, okay? We, Reese did that message when we were out of town. But really clear, again, everything kind of flowing from that. And so we deal with these, like, major blocks and areas in our life. We deal with, you know, the most important relationship in our life, which is our marriage relationship. We deal with our, our parenting skills and what, how we need to be as children, you know? That, that whole relationship. And then it moves into the other giant block in our lives. And that is, you know, our everyday working relationship, slaves and masters. When you think about how much time in your life you're going to spend at work or in some type of skill or job, I mean, it is a significant portion of your life. I didn't like add it all up because I didn't want to discourage anybody, but if it's eight hours a day, five days a week, do the math, right? That's a lot of our lives. So Paul, again, everything flowing from that passage, said, you know, we need to deal with this so that people really know how we should be with one another, no matter what position in authority or submission we should be with each other. Now, let, let's, I want to talk just briefly about the first part. Remember I said there are two kind of ways you can look at that? Remember that? It was just a minute ago. You remember. Joseph, you remember, right? All right, so the first one was like, you know, Rome and what was going on right there and then. All right, so the Roman Empire, roughly 50%, historians say, 50% of the entire Roman Empire were in slavery. 50%. Okay? So... What would happen? And, and we're not talking about just those doing menial labor. Because the Romans would conquer a people, and that people would then be in slavery and submission to them. So we're talking about those that are doctors or in administrative positions, those that are highly educated, teachers, as well as those in other more menial positions. So literally half the population was in slavery. Okay? So Paul had to be really, really clear on what the relationship would be. Because the church would come together, and if half the population were in slavery, then seemingly, how many people in the church might be as well slaves? Perhaps half, perhaps even more. Because we know that Jesus was a champion of releasing the oppressed, right? So those people, those that were oppressed, flocked to the message of Christianity. The attitude that those that became Christians had about slavery radically transformed because of their relationship with Christ. In fact, it was, it was revolutionary. You remember a, a few months ago, I think it was in Ephesians 2, we talked about, and actually I did that message, part of it, where, where we talked about how, you know, God came, Christ came to break the barrier, the barrier, the wall of hostility. Remember that whole thing? 
the, the, this, this dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. And that this huge wall of hostility was being broken down. Well, there was a giant wall of hostility, slave and free. And so Jesus came and he broke down these, in a, in a revolutionary way, broke down what was going on in the hearts of people at that time. So much so that really there was a radical transformation. A lot of people would say, and, and it's been said, you know, the Bible has been used certainly in, in many negative and evil ways, right? Scripture's twisted by evil people to promote what they want to promote. And it has in the past been used to say, well, slavery is fine. Because look, the Bible doesn't outright condemn it. And Jesus didn't outright condemn it. You know, he didn't have to. Because it was very clear what his attitude was. In Galatians chapter 3, in uh, verse 28... It says very simply, there's no difference, right? We, we use that scripture, we talk about male and female, which there was class distinction between male and female in that time. He says, look, there's no difference. There is no difference whether you're slave or free. There's no difference whether you're male or female, Jew or Greek. It's that we're all the same in Christ Jesus. Imagine what that message must have been like for those people. It was... A revolution in their hearts. So when Paul shares these things, when he says and speaks to those in slavery and how they should be and, and how they should act from their hearts, and then shifts gears and says, those of you in authority, masters, you must act the same way and even gives them an additional command that they should not threaten those that are in submission to them. For those that were Christians, it was, it was something that within, within their upbringing and culture was difficult to understand, but something they embraced because they realized, you know, we're all alike here. We're all the same. And so the message to the out, outside world was, wow. I mean, look, look at how these people are living so differently and accepting of one another so radically differently than we did. You know, there, there were great thinkers in the past. We think about people like Aristotle or Socrates, right? You know, Aristotle, for all his wisdom and all his learning, thought that slaves were nothing more than tools, that they had no rights, that they were not like people. They were human tools to be used. So Jesus' teaching was revolutionary teaching. And in fact, over the many years, it, more than anything else, changed and destroyed the idea and, and the foundation of slavery in the world today. So that today, we have a society of employer and employee, but we don't have a society of master and slave. That's because of Jesus. That's because of Jesus. So the title of the lesson is called Labor Relations. Because dealing with the first part, and maybe there are some things you need to study on your own and look at history, it's important to understand what they were dealing with then. 50% of the population of Rome and the Roman Empire being enslaved, they had to talk about this. That was employment in the first century. Today, employment is 
very different. And yet, we talk about how many times we feel like we are enslaved in the positions we live in. Um, did anybody, do you guys know who Jack Welch is? You ever heard of Jack Welch? CEO of GE? I know you know who he is, Tom. I mean, one of your contemporaries, right? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, anyway, uh, Jack Welch. Um, he's one of the more famous uh, CEOs, you know, did amazing things with GE, brought them to prominence. He went to work for GE in 1960, so probably, you know, that's why not many of us or all of us know who he is. In 1961, he had such a bad relationship with his boss and hated the bureaucracy of employment there so much that he was going to quit but he was convinced to stay on longer. About a year later, he, he, he went on as a junior engineer in GE. That's how he started. He started at the bottom. He was educated, but he started at the bottom. And rather than quitting, he decided not to. He was given a position of authority over a plant, and about a year later, that plant actually blew up and blew the whole roof off, so much so that he almost got fired from his job. This is kind of his history. First couple of years, in other words, of his employment, pretty rocky. He wasn't fired up, and the people that were his employers weren't fired up about him. He was asked, well, you know, how did you, 20 years later, he, he took the reins of, of GE as CEO in like 1980, 81, somewhere around then, about 20 years later. And he was asked once he was interviewed, he said, you know, what was the turnaround? I mean, you almost quit. You hated the bureaucracy. You didn't like your boss. You almost got fired. You, you, you blew up a factory. I mean, come on, what, what turned around for you? And how did you kind of escape that attitude? And he said, well, I made a decision that I'm going to find out what my boss wants, and then I'm going to over-deliver to my boss. And that decision radically transformed my career path. In 20 years, he became the youngest CEO of GE, and he went on to take GE from about a $14 million company to $4 billion dollar company and actually retired with the largest severance package in history, 400 something million dollars. Not a bad career decision. And that was a few years ago, wasn't it, Tom? When did he retire? 15 years ago? 20 years ago? I mean, that was when 400 million dollars was a good amount of money. Now, <laughs> you know, federal government spends that every three minutes. So, I, um, I thought, you know, okay, I'm, I'm self-employed. Uh, I have my own business. I thought, you know, okay, it's, God works these things out. Maybe there's something that I'm supposed to share. And, and a couple of people even, you know, within the, uh, the region work for me, and, and we work together. And I thought, you know, you never know all of why God, you know, does the things that he does, or maybe it's just a random event that I'm up here. Either way... I thought, you know, let me, let me look at some lists that might, you know, help the church from the standpoint of employment of how to really advance in your career. Because that's kind of what we're talking about a little bit here, right? This is the journey. It's called misdirection. You know, I tell you we're going over here and actually we're going this way. You ever do? It's like football. Okay, so I looked at like four lists, top 10, top 11, top 7, Forbes. I mean, I looked at all these great... You know what I found? I didn't find one that was worthy of sharing them with you. You know why? Because they're all right here. I mean, honest to goodness. I mean, before the Lord. They are all right here. 
Nothing was said in any of the lists that I read. Not top ten, not top seven, not Forbes, not Fortune magazine. Everything we need to excel at what we do is right here in these few verses. Is that cool? So let's, let's read it again, and I want to point some things out. Verse 5. Employees, obey your employers with respect and fear, and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ or employees of Christ, do the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is an employer or an employee. And employers, treat your employees in the same way. Don't threaten them, since you know that he who is both their employer and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with that employer. Have you ever heard the story of uh, the horse and the goat? No? Would you like to hear the story of the horse and the goat? Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's really a little like what employment can be if you're only concerned about what's on the surface. There was a farmer who had a prize horse. He had other horses. And he had other animals in his stable. He had a goat as well. One day the horse became ill. And so he called the, the vet. And he said, you got to come out, you got to look at my horse. The vet comes out and says, well, your horse has a, a pretty serious virus that can actually spread to the rest of the stable and get all your other horses sick. So I'm going to give him some medicine. But if in three days he's not better, we need to put him down. Well, the farmer was obviously distraught about this, but he knew, you know, he had to make a decision about what was best for his entire stable. Well, the goat overheard this conversation. Goats are always listening. <laughs> so the goat goes to the horse on the first day and he says, he says, horse, you've got to get up. I mean, you know, the, the, the master is, is going to put you down if you don't get up. You've got to, like, start running, and, and you've got to show that you're better. But the, the horse, he didn't get up. He was sick. Right? Did I mention that? He had a virus. Day two comes. The goat lets him sleep, wants him to get some rest. Day two comes, and the goat goes to him and shakes him. Horse, you got to get up. It's the second day. Remember, I listened in on the conversation. The vet said he's going to come back on the third day, and if you're not better, you're going to be put down. Horse didn't say anything. He just laid there. He slept for the whole day. The third day came, and the vet came back on the third day, and there was the horse still lying there. The vet checked the horse, still lying there, didn't seem to be better, and he said, you know what? I think you're going to have to put the horse down. The farmer said, let's just give him the rest of the day. I mean, it's the beginning of, of the third day. Let's give him the rest of the day. The horse, of course, the goat hears all this. He runs over the horse after the farmer leaves and after the vet leaves. And he, and he wakes the horse and he just, please, buddy, come on. You're my best friend. I care about you. You got to get up. And the horse gets up. 
And he starts running around the stable and the farmer looks outside and he sees the horse running around and he's so excited. He calls his wife, he calls his children, he says, look, our prized horse is better. He's running around the stable. We need to have a celebration. Let's kill the goat. Sorry. That's how being an employee feels sometimes. When you're only concerned about what your employer thinks. When you're only concerned about who's getting the credit. When you're only concerned about how you look and your own skin, right? That's how employment is. Now hopefully it's not quite that bad. You know, there, there, there are four verses here. In each one, there's one common theme. You've already seen it. And it's Christ. You know, Christ is used in every one of these verses. It says that we should, we should obey with respect and fear and sincerity of heart as we would obey Christ. It says we should obey to win their favor or not only to win their favor when their eyes, but, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God. It says we should serve wholeheartedly. Not just serving men, but we should serve the Lord. Because we know the Lord will reward us. You know, when only, when our only focus is how things are going for us and not what we're doing to serve God, employment can be really challenging. It can be. Because we don't always get rewarded for what we feel like we're doing. You know what I mean? So I'd like to open it up just a little bit because I'd like to learn kind of what your thoughts are on this. So, you know, you could give me a little feedback. I'd like, well, maybe you could first tell me, how many of us, like, own our own businesses? So, you know, good number of us do. And, and how many of us are, are employees of someone else's business? Okay, and the rest of you, you know, you need to get a job. I mean, the Bible says man, you know, doesn't work, he shouldn't eat, so... Uh, just saying, that's not, you know, we're not on that passage, but probably pretty important to mention, right? I mean, lunch is coming up. We want to be ready for that. Uh, Gina Alexander's always hiring, uh, you know, always looking for interns. So, you know, if you need something between now and then, you can see Gina probably at the break, right? All right, so, so I get an idea how many are employees. So tell me, maybe those of you that, that are employees, what's your biggest challenge as an employee? What are some of the biggest challenges that you feel like you face? And you don't have to use names or anything like that, especially I won't even call on you if you work for me, so don't worry about that. Uh, okay, not agreeing with your boss's decision. How does that make you feel? Right, smarter than him, certainly. It's good. Not agreeing, right. Okay, what else? Okay. Not feeling appreciated. All right. Yeah, it's usually not a problem when you really feel appreciated, right? That's usually not too big of a problem. What else? Okay. What does it look like to be micromanaged? <laughs> right. Wow, hold back. Okay, all right. That's, uh, that's plenty. It's, uh, it's, don't need any more. 
I'm not mentioning, by the way, in the recording who, you know, just in case your boss is listening. He said, don't, don't worry. He does not work for me. <laughs> Good. Now, those of you that are employers, maybe you could share with me, what, what's your biggest challenge as an employer? Just, you know, just, we get some listening going on here. Labor relations, that's what we're doing here. Employers, what's your biggest challenge as an employer? What are the things that you face every day, you know, in employee relations? Don't be afraid, guys. It's okay. Here's your chance. Okay. So giving a task to someone because they have the ability, but they don't follow through to completion. Hate that. What else? Good. Okay. Yeah, that's right. So big challenge is the buck actually, you know, for business owners, the buck actually stops with the employer, right? So there's a lot of responsibility there. Yeah, very good. Awesome. So, yeah, no, not enough enthusiasm, not enough motivation from the people that you manage. You know, I, I was looking this up, and I'll get one more in a sec, John. But um, I, was, I, I was doing just some employee, just, you know, Google searching, just checking it out. You know, um, Gallup did a poll, 2000, they do this poll every year, 2013, worldwide poll, engagement, employee engagement on the job. Only 13% worldwide of employees are engaged on the job, meaning like, like into it, motivated, focused. 13%. I, you know, I'm not great at math, but I'm pretty sure 87% must not be then, right? Or some level not be. I, I'm not saying that's us in this group, right? God forbid. Right? You know, because if my job is to cook a meal and Jesus were coming to that meal, what kind of meal would I want to cook? Right? I mean, if my job were to wait on Jesus, what kind of waiter would I be for Jesus? Would his table be clean? I, you know, I mean, again, the perspective is not the perspective of employers and employees just getting along. It's the perspective of, we're here to serve the Lord. And when we do that, it transforms the world. Jonathan, do you want to share something too? Full ownership of the job. I, I want to, and, and you know, the interesting thing is, you know what we're hearing we're hearing human relations is what we're hearing, right? We're hearing people, it could be husbands and wives, it could be parents and children, but in this case, it's employers and employees that are having communication issues and that are having challenges because we're not each living up to the other's standard, right? Is this not everyday life? It is everyday life. And so the secret that we have is that you're not in this everyday life to serve yourself, and I'm not in this everyday life to serve somebody else. I'm in this life to serve the Lord. And when I do, magic happens. So let me give you three quick things as we kind of 
finish up our sermon. There are three things that stand out to me in this passage that I think if we, like, lock into, whether we're employers or employees, we can, like, transform the relationships in our workplace. The first is respect. In verse 5, again, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect. It says, and fear. Does the Lord want us to fear men? I mean, from what I read, He doesn't. Not in the sense of fear and trembling. In fact, He says it very clearly. Don't fear men who can just kill you. Like, fear the Lord who, He can kill you and then throw you into hell. Fear, fear Him. Don't fear men. Don't worry about them. So, so the idea is not so much fear of men. It's perhaps fear, you know, and respect for God. But respect. Respect. As an employee, how do you want to be treated? With respect, right? I, I don't care that someone is more educated than me or that they know something better than me. I'll learn. Hopefully I'll be humble. But you know what? Treat me with respect. Right? Easy to say that. Right? I have an issue here with respect. I, I often talk about my issues, right? I talk about like issues on the road. I think that's why I have an issue with people cutting me off. It's like they disrespected me. How dare they? That was my space. And I left that space in front of the other car for me and that car. Not for you to get in. I feel disrespected. It bothers me. You know, Connie and I were at a hotel. And, and we were walking, you know, down, down the path. And this happens at the grocery store when I go to the grocery store. And, you know, there are people that are just right in the middle of the aisle. And I can't get around. I'm dis I feel disrespected. I I'm, I'm joking, but I... God help me, I'm serious. Do you get that, Reese? Do you ever feel that way? Men can't stand the grocery store for that reason. I mean, it's like... What is going on? There is no respect here. We need to focus on ourselves. Tomorrow, think about how you can, I'll think about how I can, treat people with more respect than I have in the past. It doesn't matter if they're my employees. They're talented, they're gifted, they're God's children. They know things I don't know. Respect. You can't have friendship, you can't have relationship without respect. Number two, win their favor. It says in uh, verse 6, Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. It says not only to win their favor. So I'm going to take that out because if it's not only, that means that it's also that, right? And we're going to get to the third thing in just a second. Win their favor. You know, we need to have ambition. We need to be ambitious for Christ. You know what I mean? We need to think, you know what? I want to win my employees' favor. I want them to love me. I want them to appreciate me. That doesn't mean that I can't have tasks that, I'm, uh, that I require them to do. You need to think in terms of, of winning the favor of your employer. 
win their favor. Think about that. I mean, it's like a contest. You really do want to be the teacher's pet in this instance. You want to win that. It's okay to have that kind of ambition. I remember when, when I worked for uh, Savings of America and I was uh, given the opportunity to go in the ministry in 1992. And um, I think it was 89 or maybe it was 88 when I first went to work for him. I was 23 years old. And, um, you know, I was a brand new, I was a pretty new Christian. Um, I was baptized in 88, so just a few months as a Christian. Got the job around the same time. It was a really good job. I made, for that time, a lot of money. More money than I had ever made before. And I remember I was doing mortgages, and I, I lied on a mortgage application. And I asked... Uh, Mark Shump, actually, Mark and Catherine were uh, were really good friends of ours from way, way back in the teen ministry. And I asked Mark, you know, knowing what I should do, but I asked him, you know, what should I do? He's like, well, you, you, need, to tell your, you need to tell your boss. I was like, ah, I was afraid you were going to say that. Why did I ask? You know, I ever feel that way. <laughs> like, uh, uh, But he was right. And... Uh, so I went in, I remember I went in to tell my boss, and uh, I sat down with him, and this was something that everybody did, but didn't talk about it. And I said, you know, look, I brought in the, the loan application, we opened it up, and I said, you know, I, I want you to know, I, I, I added numbers in this application. I added income so these people would qualify. And uh, I just want to let you know I'm sorry, and I'll never do it again, and... Whatever the consequences are, I understand. He took the, he didn't say a word. I remember him. Bill Mady was his name. And he took the loan application from me and he uh, did some calculations and he approved the loan and he gave it back to me. He never said another word. I just took it and walked away. I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm fired. Uh, I, think, think I think I still have the job. I, I, that day, like, I won his favor. By telling him I had cheated and lied. I was blown away. You know, when I left that company, um, first of all, he thought I was crazy because, you know, I was like, I was the teacher's pet. I mean, I liked him, even though he was a nut. I mean, he would throw loan applications at you if he didn't like something. I mean, he was crazy guy, cool guy. I liked him, though. You know, sometimes you like crazy people like that. I won his favor. I won his favor by being a Christian, like by really living that way. I did the best I could. And, and, and the funny thing is I did it by blowing it. Think about that. Like I'm not, making, I'm not trying to make myself sound all great. Like I lied and I cheated. I should have been fired. But I went back and I told the truth. I won the guy's favor. We need to win the favor of, of the people in our workplace. We need, to, we need to first get that in our mind that I want to do this. And then we need to do it. Last but not least, five minutes left for this, is uh, we need to be wholehearted. Wholehearted. It says in verse 7, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. I really like that, by the way. Because I always try to do like little good things, and I'm like, okay, Lord, <laughs> you catch that one? I need to go back and do it again. That's just cool. I mean, it'll reward. I mean, it says that, right? Reese, does it mean that? Does the Bible mean what it says? 
I think it does too. Um, I won't read this, but in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 20 and following, there's, there's this passage where Paul says that whatever condition you come into the church, you should be content to remain. He's talking about slavery. He says, but if you can buy your freedom, you should. Okay? So he says, you, you need to be content. Like, if, if you can't change it, it's okay. You need to be content with it. But if you can get out of it, you should. Okay, so, wholehearted. Some of us hate what we do. Right? It's a big group of people. I don't know who you are. Don't feel guilty. I hated what I was doing back in 2006, 7, and 8. I was in the mortgage business. I had been in the mortgage business for a long, long time. I hated it. Now, I moved over to another type of financial services, but, you know, I wanted out of financial services. I really did. I hated it. Now, I did the best I could, I could to be content, didn't I, babe? I tried to do a good job for the people that, that, that I served, but, but honest to God, I hated it. I hated what I was doing. If you hate what you're doing, you need to find a way out of it. If you can get out of it, you need to find a way out of it. In the meantime, you need to be wholehearted. But you know deep within you, can, can you be wholehearted in what you're doing for the rest of your life? Can you live as a Christian, make an impact, the light of the world? You can be the light of the world on your job. Can you do that if you hate it? Maybe temporarily, but not long term. You know what I'm saying? So what am I saying? You know, sometimes we need to like be given permission as strange as that sounds, like, like we need to be given permission. It's okay that you hate what you're doing and you want out. Now you need to start thinking how you get out. You need to get advice. You need to talk to other people. Don't be afraid to like wrestle with that and make a decision that I need to get out. Because what the Lord wants more than anything is for you and I to make it to heaven and bring as many people as we can. He's not going to get you to the pearly gates and they say, hey, tell me a little bit about what you did before I let you in. Tell me about your job. Ooh, you were a mortgage broker. <laughs> we don't let those guys in here. Sorry. <laughs> See those other gates? <laughs> That's your place right there. You know, he's not going to ask that. I know it's important, but it's important for us. So either you can be wholehearted in doing what you're doing, or you need to figure out how you can get out of it. Does that make sense? I know that sometimes uh, employment is like, you know, the horse and the goat, right? Like we, we don't feel appreciated. We don't feel respected. We're having a hard time. You know, our boss and, and us or, or our employees, you know, it's just, it's oil and water. There's challenges. I get that. So we need to step back and we need to say, you know what? I am doing this. And every day you'll need to remind yourself, I am doing this for who? For, for the Lord. I'm serving. I'm giving. I'm pouring it out for Him. And until I get my way out of here, by my freedom, I'm going to be wholehearted in what I do and serve Him wholeheartedly. Amen? Love you guys. Thanks for the opportunity to share these things with you. God bless you. Hey, have a great day. No, no closing song, or do we have? Have an awesome day, and uh, enjoy the rest of your Sunday.